Sponsored by Expressway. With My Expressway, free travel pass holders can reserve their seats online at expressway.ie or at our ticket machines in stations. Welcome to part two. I'd like you to meet Shane Ross. You know him, of course. He's been a minister, a TD and senator, and a journalist, and he's been part of public life in Ireland for many years. Now fired again by the electorate, as he cheerfully says himself, he's very candid about all sorts of chapters in his life, from private school in England to the cabinet table, and we spoke also about his latest project, a biography of Mary Lou MacDonald. Off we go to picturesque Enniskerry in North County Wicklow to meet him. Shane Ross, uh, I'm delighted to see you. Thank you very much for, for taking the time to chat. Good to see you too. Uh, and, and we're in wonderful surroundings. You're f- mm. fantastic house in Enniskerry on a, a beautiful autumn day mm. in, in Dublin, in Wicklow. Um, lovely place from which to view the world, Shane. It is. It's very nice today. I mean, it's a very fine day out here in County Wicklow and it's uh, there's a bit of space around, which is pleasant. And uh, it's we've been here about... Oh, 15 years now, and it's mm. it's uh, it's been a very very happy place to live. Yeah, yeah, and we have a we have a cup of coffee in front of us, courtesy of Ruth. Yeah, um, and a chance to chat because you're perhaps not as busy as you were uh, up until relatively recently. Um, so there's a long tale to tell in Shane Ross, um, but given that this is a sort of a motoring podcast, we we begin a little bit with with Shane on the road. Mm-hmm. Um, wh- when did you first learn? You you were. Born and raised in Dublin, when did you first learn how to drive? I learned to drive when I was 17, actually, because you could do that, as you yeah. still can. And, um, and I, took, I took the test, I think, very, very early on, about six months after uh, I qualified for it. And uh, I learned I took it. I had driving lessons. And, and actually, I got through the test. I was very surprised. I remember being very surprised indeed because we had hiccups on the way. I couldn't get the car into gear, but I got, <laughs> I got through it. Um, and that was, I think, I learned to drive probably on a Morris Minor, my mother's, or a car like that, a car, or a Fiat. I think it was no Fiat, and, mm. you know. The, uh, and and that was absolutely fine. And uh, I never had a car till I was about twenty-seven or twenty-eight of my own. Though, but but I learned to drive quite early because it was it was quite necessary. I lived here out in Scary yeah. uh, at that time, and it was quite necessary to to have a car because the bus services were very bad. Yeah, um, I, 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 but you're not really a, a driver or a motorhead or anything of that sort, are you? Was it always just a functional machine for no, you? I'm a very bad driver. <laughs> <laughs> I was, uh, I'm always uh, doing the wrong things on the road, which as Minister for Transport can't admit at the time. But luckily, when I, when I was a minister, I didn't have to do any driving, yeah. which was which was which was which was kind of lucky and lucky for the consumer because there could have been a lot of embarrassing incidents. No, I I'm not I'm not a kind of motorhead, or I. Uh, I kind of I enjoy cars. I enjoy the car I drive at the moment because it's kind of novel. Um, You're an electric car, are you? Yeah, and it's uh, it's pure electric. It's no no hybrid element at all. And that I bought that as minister for transport because I thought it would help me to get re-elected. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it obviously didn't. But it's it's um, it's been a it's for me it's been a great success mm. uh, because it does about. I mean, when, when you get into it in the morning, it. It says 500 or 490. Now that, yeah. That's difficult to explain to people because that's basically saying that's what's in the tank, 490 miles, uh, kilometres. Yeah. And um, and then, of course, it, that varies a bit depending mm. on how much heat you use and how much, you know. Does it melt if you're on a motorway? It, it, 
it does. I haven't quite worked that out, but I think it's all right if you go to about an average about 100. You, mm. you know much more about this than I do. Kill me as raw, but but um, it doesn't actually melt. But it, but if you put the heater on, it suddenly goes down by about 10 percent wow you're you know it just knock, knocks off what what's in the tank but i found it quite easy um in in the sense that i i, I was able to go down to tipperary and round tipperary and back i can go to belfast and back without refilling wow now that's big belfast and back yeah i do that quite regularly i've done that yeah. quite regularly recently and i've d done that without refilling yeah, uh, at all. My, my touchstone is uh, Sligo and back, or specifically yeah. Enniscrone in County yeah. Sligo and back. Mm. So that's where my mum is. Yeah. Um, I, I, for me to go electric, it ha has to go there and back. And, that's uh, probably, how far is that? I mean, Southwest is, is, it used to be 100 miles, I suppose it's about 100, what, 140, 150 kilometres. Yeah, yeah, that? doable. It's just doable. I'm not, I mean, the, the, the warning signs start going when I go about three mile, three three kilometres from home. It's fine. I've yeah. never, I've never had to feel. Yeah. So you probably won't go back then. No. no. Oh, I, was so, I wouldn't dream of going back because it's so cheap. Yeah. Very good. Very good. Wow. Um, so going, going back a little bit. I mean, just uh, people will know you, of course, Shane, for many, many years, and not just as minister. Mm. Um, uh, you seem to have been a, a, a figure in Irish life for a long time. One of the things I was curious about is you actually went to rugby school, didn't you? The... Yeah, I did. Um... How did that come about, Shane? And, I don't really know. I still don't know. Well, my mother was English, mm. and she was she she came over here in 1945, something like that, with my father to live here, and she was very keen. I think that both my sisters and I should have a kind of broad education. Otherwise, we'd have one foot in Ireland, one foot mm. in England all the time. And she was very uncertain about whether they're going to stay here or not. I think mm. at, the st at that stage. So when it came to going to school. I went to a prep school in, in Dundrum, St. Stephen's it was called, which closed down since. And that prepared that prepared me for, for going to rugby. So I did kind of half my schooling here, mm. half my schooling there. They just thought it was it was a good idea to, to have a kind of broad education. I, I, I don't think it was a good idea actually, but it, oh, uh, right. it did it did happen. Well, I just didn't think it prepared me very well for, for living here. It was and was it the, the classic English public school experience? Well, no. It, you know, everybody thinks that you know it's it's terribly tough, but there's all mm. sorts of strange things going going on. And, <laughs> you know, it's not as bad as that. It wasn't as bad as that at all. I didn't like it because I was very homesick. But uh, you know, there wasn't very much bullying that people yeah. talk about it where I was anyway. Uh, there wasn't a huge amount of kind of all sorts of there wasn't you know massive beatings and all that sort of thing going on. It wasn't very hard. Hardy in that way. It was it was kind of robust, but yeah. it wasn't it wasn't unpleasant or you know you didn't get cold at night for not having too much blankets. And didn't put yeah. Do you know that that makes sense to me because I I did a couple of years in boarding school yeah. here in yeah. uh, in CCR in Ross Grey. Yeah, yeah. Um, and like that, you know, I, I was I remember being very homesick in my yeah. my first year. Yeah. Um, but the lads and the school and the experience. Um, yeah. was great came, came yeah. out untraumatized yeah um, and you came out untraumatized as well um and I, yeah. I, I know that amongst other things uh, you were a stockbroker for a while yeah um I got great amusement hearing you tell the story about being fired by Dermot Desmond <laughs> well, yeah, that, was, that was that was yeah I was fired by everybody by the way <laughs> including the electorate recently <laughs> um I was yeah I was I, I went to Trinity and then I went on to stockbroking and Dermot, Dermot took over the firm. Hmm. He was a he was a kind of invader 
of the Irish stockbroking world at the time, and everybody resisted Dermot like hell because he was very old-fashioned, and he was a kind of imposter. They saw us coming in, and I, he came to, he came to me and and my partners and said, "Hey, look, I'll buy your company and give you a few bob for it," and we weren't doing very well, and so he just wanted the badge um, to get into stockbroking world. So we accepted, and we got on very well. But the, but basically. Uh, when he got it, when he took it, there was an interim period in which I had to stay there. I stayed there, and I intended to stay there quite a long, long time. And basically, the day down, got control. He told me I got my marching orders, and he, <laughs> he was right. I mean, I was really bad at it. I was, he really well, I don't know. Did it work out for him? Well, it worked out really well for him. Of course, it did. Yeah, but he was very, very good at what he did. Yeah. Uh, at that time, and we had a, we had a terrible battle about about his takeover and about him firing me, but he got me and that, that was that and he, he paid me off and that was fine. Yeah. You know, that was that was the right decision on his part. And, and then two sort of parallel careers for you then, I yeah. think. Uh, you were a senator uh, yeah. for a long time and also Sunday Independent business editor, weren't you, or business journalist? Yeah, that was that was very nice. That was a very nice period of, of my life, really, because there was a great deal of freedom because I was an independent senator for Trinity and there was a great mm. deal of freedom there, you know, the, no party whip really most yeah. of that time. Uh, and then at the same time, yeah, I was business editor of, of the Sunday Independent, which was a very exciting time because there was a we had a we had an editor called Angus Fanning, who we may yeah. have known at the time. Of course. And he was very colourful, he was very unorthodox and very, you know, there was always a, a row minute when in the Independent <laughs> at that time. Uh, but there was great freedom to say and do what we liked and and and, and Angus and to his great credit, Tony O'Reilly, mm. who was um, the owner of the Independent the Times, certainly the, the moving force in it, uh, never really inhibited me from what I said or did. Mm. And there were huge pressures on the media, particularly the business media, uh, you know, to toe the line with advertisers and to yeah. and Dublin being such a small place, the O'Reilly's of course know everybody and had a lot of friends. And, and, um, and a requirement for a green jersey as well, was there? I mean, no. no, it was quite it was quite extraordinary. I mean, Angus was was was, was fearless. And he mm. said, say what you like about it. Don't worry about, you know, what's going to happen. There will be protests. There will be problems about whatever you do. There'll be people putting pressure on not to do it. He's, and he just let it go. And O'Reilly, to his great credit, um, really didn't put any pressure on us at all, which I couldn't believe because mm. he had so many irons in the business fire. Yeah. And um, everybody thinks from outside, yeah. that, you know, of course there's pressure, there's subtle pressure, there's, you know, well, setting ethos. I wouldn't attack a rally interest, yeah. right? Um, I think that would be probably... At least not gratuitously, would no, you? No, no, no. <laughs> uh, I, and I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't do that sort of thing. But there were pressures. I mean, I wouldn't have attacked the independent or say the share price is too high or something like that. Yeah. So, or very unlikely to do that. But with that proviso, uh, you know, we could we we could say and do what we liked about other companies who would put pressure on on the, on the and put pressure on Angus, and he he would just resist it. So at that stage, it was yourself and Eamon Dunphy, um, yeah, an yeah. unlikely Batman and Robin. <laughs> well, we let a kind of shareholders vote because there was so much wrong with that company, what was going on, and we were in a position really to to represent the shareholders because Eamon had the program. Yeah. And there were masses and masses of shareholders listening to the, that, that, that program. And I was also in the Sunday Independent and, and there were, and in the Senate at the time, as far as I remember. And there were enormous pressures on us to say, you know, represent us in, in what you write and in what you say on the radio. So we, we kind of used that to be the voice of those who 
you know, who who hadn't people to represent them, particularly at the AGM. And, we threw, and, and there was a lot of shareholder anger, wasn't there? I mean, the, the, oh, the, yeah. I mean was, some destruction of value that occurred there. Well, the value just sank, and it was it was awful in that way. I, I think the the real resentment was against the board. Hmm. I mean, I think it was a classic case. I don't want to refight the battles of yesterday, but I think it was a classic case of uh, a board being completely out of touch with a massive shareholder base hmm. uh, and the board doing rather too well. And that was happening in too many places. And it was a kind of forerunner of the banks yeah. here as well, which happened obviously a few years later. So, yeah, we, we, we did that. But, it, but uh, at the end of the day, uh, Although we, we did our best for shareholders, at the end of the day, the big battalions actually won, won did, got, got what they wanted. Mm. The company was, you know, was run by the, the larger shareholders and that was it. Yeah, and, and, and the, the, the retail shareholders, the first dip uh, into share, share yeah. ownership for lots and lots of Irish people because of the huge rollout of mm. the Aircom shares at the time. For yeah. most people, it was a loss and a lesson. And for, for some yeah. people, it was a nasty blow. Yeah, it was, a, it was kind of meant to be a brave new, new dawn. Mm. Uh, when everybody would have a few shares in in a company which was really supposed to be going to you know it was, it was the kind of buzz thing that the high tech and the comp stuff it, it, and it didn't work out like that uh they lost money they all lost money which, yeah. was, which was very sad yeah so so two careers on the spin the yeah. relatively uh well to, to quote yourself the relatively easy role of an independent senator with yeah. no party whip yeah um but you you chose to you chose to go out over fences you mm. you, you when were you first elected as a td you, you had contested a, a general election before i think i uh I put my hands up. Uh, I, I joined Fine Gael for a very short period in, in, ah. in 19, gosh, it was 19, oh, it was probably about 1990, 1991. Uh, and I was there for uh, three or four years and I contested general election in Wicklow here. Right. And I failed a business. Well, I was kind of, I wasn't elected anyway. Uh, I was there kind of number two. Yeah. Godfrey Timmons was running as the front runner. Uh, in Wicklow, and I was the number two, and I, I didn't get it. Okay. Uh, it does take great courage to run for election. I mean, I, I know it, it's it's yeah. a national hobby to bitch about anybody who does, or certainly anybody who succeeds. Yeah, yeah. Um, but but it is an act of courage to 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 put your put your name and face up and go for it. I think you're being a bit kind there. I think it's a, <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a good trip. If in some ways, you know, mm. um, it's experimental. It's an adventure. Yeah. And in some cases, it's idealism as well. I mean, let's not be totally unfair to people. A lot of people want to want to get in there, not just out of pure personal ambition, but because it's a mixture of feelings yeah. you have. You know, you want to get things done. There's, there is obviously uh, an ego element in it, the sense of achievement. Uh, but you know, yeah, people like knocking politicians. That's what that's what it's good well, for. It's, it's, it's a national hobby everywhere, yeah. isn't it? Oh yeah, and. Uh, and, and and that's fine and yeah and, and, and here we yeah, I didn't get it that time and that was that that wasn't a particularly difficult mm -hmm. period because I went back to the Senate where I was in the first place anyway. Yeah. So, you know. And then you you wound up being elected as an independent mm -hmm. TD mm -hmm. um, and and making some unlikely friends and bedfellows amongst the other independents when you were the, the you were the independent group at that time. Yeah. Highly disparate. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's right. That was a yeah. I got elected. I said stand for Dublin, South Dublin, in uh, Dublin South was then in two thousand and eleven, mm. 
and that that worked out fine and got elected. That was a, a better experiment. And that was really interesting because it was a very, very, very difficult time. It was just after the banking crisis. Yeah. And uh, Fianna Fáil had a disastrous election. Mm. And of course, as independents, we were lucky and we got elected partly because there was so much negative vibes about Fianna Fáil. Uh, and that was fine. And I, I did that for about four or five years as an independent. Mm. But at the time, and I think this is what you're referring to. Yeah. We formed a group of independents in anticipation of the next election. Mm -hmm. We didn't want to be a political party because, as you say, it was so disparate. We would have found difficulties yes. uh, agreeing on all policies and having a party whip. So we had a kind of loose group of people, which we called the Independent Alliance, uh, which was a large number of councillors around the country, mm -hmm. and who all stood, a lot of whom stood as TDs, and then a few sitting TDs who stood as well. And we yeah. stood as on a platform of basic. Uh, principles and then we uh, but no party whip because we, we wouldn't be able to impose it because people mm -hmm. came from as you say there were a lot of people from you know really strong rural conservative areas yes. liberals from Dublin all that sort of classic difference in that, that exists in Irish politics but we had enough in common to say look we form a group and we try and get into government mm -hmm. and that's what happened we formed the group we yeah. got elected and we got into government yeah so suddenly yeah you're in cabinet yeah I know um, extraordinary I can't imagine that you had a mental picture of a path that would have led you to cabinet, but there you are at the cabinet table. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that was the object of the exercise, of course, to get in and yeah. get things done. Um, certainly, and and it was, it, it did, we were lucky. We were desperately lucky. It worked. We got six TDs elected and uh, needed six as it happened or five yeah. or six because it was it was complicated arithmetic but basically he needed five or six to form a government and uh and we were lucky we could say yeah here we are we we got the six votes and everybody we had these these negotiations government and everybody else dropped out you know mm -hmm. uh, one by one all the you know the labor party and uh social democrats and the greens dropped out of the negotiation and we were left and so in and had no option but to come to us and say yeah, well no 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 government at that time was ever yeah. going to be popular i mean yeah. it, 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 it you know the country was in for a few painful years no matter who was right. in charge yeah that's right um and how did you find life as a cabinet minister i mean the the the, the brief again yeah uh, you know shane ross what brief shall we give him let me see oh i know sport wouldn't that be just the thing <laughs> no i don't think it's worked like that <laughs> i think it was transport that he yeah. wanted to mess me around with yeah but, yeah, we weren't happy bedfellows mm. to start with, certainly. Uh, it was a, a kind of forced marriage. It was an arranged marriage yeah. almost because there was no one else for Enda to go to. And it was quite unique, I think, in that we went into coalition with the five of us, with, with Enda, not as friends, but as enemies, mm. political enemies. And we were still political enemies when we'd done the deal. That was really quite unhealthy. Right. Uh, we'd done the deal on policy and and then Ender called me kind of up once the deal was done and he said, you're getting transport. And I saw him kind of grinning when he said it. <laughs> uh, uh, and instead of, we didn't negotiate our cabinet positions at all. We negotiated right. policy, which was fine, mm. and the number of positions we have. Okay. Uh, we were so bad at negotiating this, I think, really. We got a lot of stuff. See, senior hurling, as I yeah. And exactly as, as James Brown said, and 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 it kind of called me up the night before. We we knew we were getting one senior, one junior, and a couple of juniors. And he called up and he said, "Okay, that's fine. You're getting transport." 
and uh, I said, okay, fine, thanks. And I suddenly realised, you know, and sport and tourism were the juniors. Sort of tacked on. With it, yeah. we tacked on. And, and I said, okay, fine. And I walked out. I just, I, I walked down the corridor, having talked to Anders for about five minutes. It wasn't a terribly mm. pleasant conversation because we didn't have it, those conversations at the time. We, we hadn't got on very well. And uh, I suddenly realised there were three industrial strikes or four industrial strikes on the way. You know, the, yeah. the bus strike, yes, the yeah, yeah. train strikes, few, few other Dublin bus and bus errand. And I said, that's why he's given that to me. This is an absolute nightmare. Uh, mm. And the first months of it were very difficult. Yeah, we, we yeah. did. We had strikes all the time. And... Travelling with Expressway and your free travel pass is made easier with a reserved seat. When booking journeys at expressway.ie, make sure to select seat-only reservation free travel scheme and pay just €2 Euro per trip to guarantee your seat. Bookings can also be made from ticket machines in stations and priority boarding will be given to those who book in advance. Travel without a booking is still more than welcome, if you prefer, provided we have space on board. Take it easy with your free travel pass and expressway.ie. Think you're not smart enough to own a smartphone? Well, think again and think Doro. Doro phones are designed specially with the older person in mind. They're easy to use with louder sound and larger text. Plus numerous state-of-the-art features that don't compromise on performance or quality. To learn more about the full range of high-tech Doro phones, visit doro.ie. Doro phones. Make friends with innovation. If you're enjoying this podcast, why not subscribe to Senior Times, the magazine and website for people who don't act their age. Or maybe you have a loved one or a friend who you know would love to read more. You can buy a subscription and have the magazine delivered direct to their door. To subscribe to Senior Times, visit the website at seniortimes.ie and like us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash senior times. Living in yeah. habitus yeah. Uh, and, you know, mm. mar marriage of convenience yeah. uh, and, you know, the tone brusque, yeah. the, ex the exchanges uh, outside outside yeah. the uh, cabinet room, yeah. you know, it's see still seem pointed. In the cabinet room, was it a functional relationship? Could, you know, was business done in a business-like manner? It was difficult to start with. It was mm. very, very difficult. And, I mean, a lot of that was our fault. We didn't think of ourselves I'm talking about Finney McGrath John mm. Halligan mm. uh, Boxer Moran and at the time uh, Sean Canney I mean we didn't think of ourselves as cabinet ministers we thought of ourselves as still being in opposition within the cabinet collectively perhaps unfairly yeah. each of those might be referred to as populists mm. Um and you know, Absolutely. very easy to do in, in, in a sense. Yeah. You know, if if your if your role is to criticise, you know, yeah. I, I I you know I can criticise Lionel Messi or Brian O'Driscoll, but yeah. um, you know, uh, ser serving in cabinet means there's work to be done, even when it's not popular, isn't it? That's right. I mean, I was a populist. Let's, let's mm. be honest. I was. I was kind of leading the charges of all these populist causes. I don't see any shame in that. Just because it's populist doesn't mean it's wrong. Yeah. In fact, sure. to me, it often means it's right. It's you're, you're actually fighting the establishment which is so entrenched, which isn't going to, is going to resist what is good for people. Um, we had, yeah, I think, I think 
we didn't make the adjustment. You see, Fine Gael had been in power for five years before that. Yeah. And they're still in power now. And yes, they, yeah. they, they, they are used to power and they almost regard it as their right. And I think certainly Finian and I and John, I think we felt that they thought we were just a nuisance mm -hmm. uh, there. And we thought, we felt we responded to that probably in a very negative way by saying, hey, Hey, we're here to sabotage the, the arrangements rather than, <laughs> rather than help out. And we had to, we took a long time to adjust the fact that we were actually in government. We were there to decide things and to cooperate and to do mm. it together. And now, Enda and I had a really strange relationship, really bad relationship to start with. It was right. just awful. Every week we'd round cabinet. You know, he threw the, he shook the um, constitution at me in the cabinet. And <laughs> and said, this, this, I, you, I remember you told me that once yeah. before, yeah. and the Taoiseach literally waved the constitution yeah. at you. Yeah, it was really bad stuff <laughs> in front of a very amused cabinet yeah. around the place. So that was very bad. Uh, but it, it, it actually got a lot better. Mm. after about six months and I got very fond of him then. Uh, and then you, you of course there were two two t-shirts because the the switch from Endo from mm. Enda to Leo mm. occurred what, after years. about a year yeah yeah that was in 2017 yeah and that was a that was a much easier relationship in some ways mm. Leo was very practical he was very he was very unconfrontational right uh Ender's attitude was ram it through, you know, these people are in the way, you know, Finney and I in particular, we'll get it through, how are we going to act with them? And he'd do, he, and yeah. it was a, an operator, uh, and how are we going to do it, you know? And he'd see, he'd test you, see how far you'd go. Uh, Leo's much more conciliatory, mm -hmm. never had a confrontation with them of any sort, uh, either off or in cabinet, as far as I remember. We'd have had disagreements, but not you know, head to head, yeah. sort of government breaking type arrangements or conversations. And so that was, in some ways, a lot easier. Right. Uh, but, um, but it was just difference of difference of styles. And Leo's style is not to actually confront you and say, okay, I'm going to sack you if you do X, Y, and Z. Yeah. And would never say that, but he you'd think it was no, coming. But I mean, it, yeah. it, it, the, the, the tone yeah. clear. Yeah. Um, and of course, while this is going on, yeah. you're you're being a minister mm. Um, mm. And, and you're a minister for transport. Yeah. And I, I do know, and I'm, I'm not just saying this to be mm. nice, but I, I know directly from permanent officials that mm. you know I dealt with, that as minister, mm. if there's one thing you genuinely did care passionately mm. about, it was road safety. Yeah. Um, am I right in saying you had the, you insisted on having the uh, road safety figures on your desk every morning? Yeah. We got them every day. They were, they were done every day by delivered. I think from the RSA to the department to me. Yeah, and that was very very important. I mean, it did. There's so many things you want to do, and there's so there's kind of low hanging fruit mm. when you get in as well. And this appeared to me something I really could do something about. You know, this, all sorts of things take so long when you go in there. Yeah. This ten-year project, you know, roads and bus routes, and you know, uh, I, I, that, that those things are long-term. Yeah, yeah. This seems to me. Look, God Almighty, here we are. We've got a, we've got so many road deaths mm. happening, and I, I actually have got a little bit of a say here. I've got, I can do something about this. Yeah. So let's go. Let's let, let's get at it. What can we do? And even that was really, really difficult. The the, the, drug, the drink driving thing. Yes, yeah. I don't know that was, was popular with that wasn't popular with a lot of 
organizations like your own at the time, I think they yeah. had reservations about speeding. And things yeah. like I, I was often critical of proposed legislation, yeah. but um, mostly critical of whether or not we needed legislation or yes, we just right. needed, we just needed yeah. action on the laws that we had. Yeah. But whenever the drink drive limit was touched, which yeah. has happened a few times over, yeah. over my career, um, cue a storm of protest from yeah. predictable Forces, yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, including some rural populists. Yeah, right? that's right. Um, who just, yeah. just come screaming at you whenever it's proposed. Yeah. So, so sometimes it has to be driven through. Yeah. Um, but you were sure. able to hang tough on that, I think. Well, yeah, it was. It was. It was a very difficult exercise. That, in fact, because having what happened was I didn't realise that there were. Uh, some of the drink driving laws that could be reformed and could be changed and some of the loopholes that existed I didn't realize them before I came in and I realized that one or two of the loopholes could be changed qu quite easily but they did need legislation yeah which you refer that uh, and so I, I got the department to to draft legislation to improve the drink driving laws in other words to change things mm -hmm. um, and uh, they did that they drafted the legislation and I suddenly found that uh, Half the Finnegale party didn't want it. Right. The Finnegale party didn't want it. Uh, what do you do when you're a coalition party? So it's just, and it wasn't in the programme of government. I hadn't put it in the programme of government. Right. I didn't know I was going to be Minister for Transport. So uh, I brought it to cabinet and uh, they knew it was coming, of course, but, but and that, there was an incredible campaign by the Vintners and the LVA and all yeah. those people to stop it. Huge amounts of pressure being put on the Fine Gael backbenchers mm -hmm. who were against it. And there were a large number of members of the cabinet against it as well. Uh, and uh, we just got it through, mm -hmm. uh, but only just got it through yeah. the cabinet. It was kind of, there was never a vote in the cabinet on it. But uh, I remember very well thinking, hey, the day I brought it there and having, I texted a large number of the Fine Gael cabinet ministers the night before and I got a pretty frosty response which was like none right yeah uh, some of them said yes fine and uh, and I had the kind of teachers imprimatur as well but not terribly enthusiastic anyway it went to, it just got through mm. and then the battle then there was a battle from Finnefall were against it to start with yeah um, a lot of the other parties against it Finnegale backbenchers didn't want it. They were trying to resist it at, at, mm -hmm. by referring it to all sorts of delaying mechanisms. But I'll tell you what got I, it through was the victims' groups. I was going to say because it was always popular with the general public, uh, and, so. and the victims' groups, some of whom were very, very articulate yeah. um, and, mm -hmm. and passionate about it. They were wonderful. They were just absolutely wonderful people, and and. Uh, that was what that was what rallied it. We we thought we were going to lose at one stage. We certainly started behind. Mm -hmm. The party was against it. All the other a lot of other parties against it. Uh, Fine Gael party, I think, basically against it. Uh, and but the victims groups were so powerful and so genuine. And yeah. they came and they picketed the Doyle. Yeah, they rang everybody. They they put them in a very difficult position. Mm -hmm. And they were absolutely tragic people, really brave people. Oh, I know. I spoke to I spoke yeah. to myself. Yeah. And these weren't kind of people who were obsessed in any way. They were just really tragic people. They'd had all tragedies in their lives yeah. through no fault of their own. And they actually put moral pressure. It was a really good example of it on various TDs, particularly in, in Finnfall, 
and they turned, they turned, they turned them around, and the thing went through very easily in the end. But it, there was a there was a filibuster for a very long time. So and there we were coming out of cabinet. Yeah. Um, and and just when it's all going so well, um, yeah. Although mind you, your your tenure as sports minister mm. had uh, had good moments and bad in it as well. I remember you getting a huge social media pile on over. Uh, was it posing with a photo with um, Katie Taylor? Katie Taylor. Yeah. <laughs> as a lifelong boxing expert. <laughs> it was it was not my finest hour because I was trying to get in the photographs. Yeah. Well, that's absolutely correct, yeah. The, uh, yeah, I went out to the airport to, um, mm. to meet Katie Taylor, which is, which is what ministers are meant to do. Yeah. Uh, when, the, when, 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 the, uh, when she comes in having won the world championship. She, yeah, I, I suppose I did what we all do. Uh, I insisted on being in all the picks <laughs> by sticking to her far too closely. Uh, and unfortunately, the and did you have a helper PR type person, you know, no. doing the embarrassing elbows on your behalf? No, I, I wasn't very good at taking people with me and I, maybe I should have done. Huh. I didn't really like having been surrounded by civil servants, which is yeah. what happens when yeah, <laughs> they, yeah. they want to be with you all the time and tell you what to do, handlers. Mm. And I wasn't really good at that. I used to tell the handlers to stay away. Um, and uh, because, simply because, because you get fed up with yeah, being yeah, told yeah. what to do and being managed. It's claustrophobic. Yeah. yeah, and I used to go on my own. And I went on this one. I could have done with a handler, to be honest, <laughs> this time. Because <laughs> what I did was I just stuck to take Katie. And of course, unfortunately, I was rumbled by the press. Yeah. They realised that I was just sticking to Katie. I didn't really have a role there except being photographed. And I got a, I got a bit of a hammering on social media. About it, yeah. uh, but you don't mind. You felt you deserved it. No, I don't mind. Yeah. Don't mind. There was a much more serious one, yeah. though, in Rio, wasn't there? Because... Uh, mm. uh, um, like I'm, I'm, I know you've you were made trenchant comments mm. in your capacity as minister about mm. the FAI and mm. their governance issues, mm. um, and, and about um, yeah. the Olympic Council of Ireland. That the, the ticketing scandal was happening mm. while you were in Rio. Mm. Um, that must have been a bit of a worry, just in terms of Ireland's yeah. reputation. And there was there was a real problem there. Yeah. I mean, there, 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 was, there was we we both those examples which you've just used where I suppose, how do you put it? The, yeah, certain sports organizations were in the hands of one person. Yeah. Um, and too much in the hands of one person. And the result of that, of course, is you get bad, really bad governments. Yeah. And uh, in Rio, it was, it, was a, it was a really dramatic situation because, of, because Pat Hickey was arrested when yeah. I was there. And, uh, and, I'd already had a confrontation with him when I'd gone out there. We'd had a very, very difficult confrontation about what was going on about the inquiry into what was happening to the tickets. And having had that confrontation, uh, he was then arrested. And now that made life very difficult for Ireland reputation yes. uh, when I was out there because, because people were identifying Ireland and him as being involved in something which mm. which was not very edifying and that that was that was a very difficult period indeed and but what it did do i suppose is is it 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 in it ensured that governments in irish sporting bodies which was way behind way yeah. very far improved and we did yeah. i think improve it particularly in the fai after well, the, the state always did have leverage but it just seemed yeah. not to use it i mean i mean it just seemed to allow the sports govern themselves with no oversight and yet at the same time 
plough in taxpayers' money. Yeah, that was. I think that was right. And and you do learn that the state has a responsibility, and it also has a power. Yeah. I mean, the the organisations have their own autonomy to a certain extent, but it would be. I did learn, particularly the FAI, that uh, if you actually want to do something in a sporting body of that sort, which the government, after all, is funding to some extent, mm. you do have the actual power to do it, uh, and you can do it. What Was it government, though, or, or, mm. or was it journalism? Because if you think about the the FAI, for example, I mean, it was, the, the, you know, the, where, where the dam actually did burst yeah. was with the story with the Delaney checks rather than, you know, any, anything to do with government. <laughs> oh, no, you're absolutely right. The, the, the story was broken uh, by Mark Ty yeah. and his colleague. Uh, and that was that was a fantastic piece of journalism. Yeah, it was absolutely. It was, and but we didn't know till he broke that story, the, the detail of what was going on, of course. And it was government that then had to act. Yeah, once it was done, I think we did it. I think we probably did do that. Okay, uh, and the FAA now is in a really much much better place uh, mm. than it was. It's in a great place. With, you know, Roy Barrett and the boys are doing really really well on governance and those issues. I think. But no, no, I don't want to overestimate what we did. No, no, it was it, we didn't know what was happening behind the scenes. No, nor did anyone till till Ty broke the story. Yeah, the, the book Champagne Football oh, is brilliant. Uh, brilliant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah, absolutely, and it's still I think the bestsellers. I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah, it certainly yeah. was a few weeks ago. Yeah. I mean, it's and it and it serves. It was a really good piece of, piece of journalism. To, yeah, to and, and, a re- and a really good just sort of lesson to everybody about what can happen if too much power gets consolidated in, yeah, one, in person. one person or a small yeah. coterie. And you, you, whether you're a well meaning charity yeah. or a sports organization or a, yeah. a, a or a massive business yeah. um it it rarely ends well no that's right um so uh, speaking of rarely ends well yeah. i think things ended well for you but once again you got sacked yeah um, i did yeah i yeah, got sacked yeah, by the yeah. people this time i got sacked by the people this yeah. time you got sacked by the people yeah. um so how's life post um post cabinet because you go whether you like cabinet ministers or not yeah. or whether you enjoy grumbling about them they genuinely do work every hour god sends i mean there there's yeah. no gaps in the diary mm. so you you went from that to well a cold mm. stop or you do no you do you, you you do work very very hard whether whether all you do is good is a different mm. issue completely and yeah. and whether you're working for the people or yourself and there's all these kind of mixtures of that mm. uh, but you certainly work uh, very 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 hard um and it's very very rewarding and it's also you know you hope you do some some good and achieve some of the things you set out to you never do achieve all of them now um it's a kind of funny feeling when you, yeah. when, you when you get fired again it's uh, <laughs> it's, it's uh, it's, you, you and Jose Mourinho making yeah, a career. Right. Well, I don't do. I don't get paid off so often as he does. I don't think. But, but, uh, yeah, it's 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 something of a relief. I'm, I'm you got you have to accept it first of all. Mm-hmm. You just have to say right. They don't want me anymore, and uh, you decided. Yeah. And that's a blow to your ego, is it? No matter how. I, I, I suppose it is. Um, not really. I mean, <laughs> it's a game in that sense. The yeah. the actual voting arrangements that's a test you have to go through every every few years and you accept it um it's not it's not hurtful no i mean mm. you have to it happens to nearly everybody in politics yeah. sooner or later so you you just you just have to say right next what do you do next and uh, uh and, and get on with it and um i've enjoyed life yeah. in the last year and a half apart from the covid situation yeah but the freedom uh of 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 not having to kind of you know take 
media requests day and night uh, and yeah. not have to be a slave to your constituents day and night. Yeah. I've, I've kind of enjoyed that a bit, although I, I enjoy the constituency work. Yeah, yeah. You know? but it, but it, it's tough. You know, if you, a thoughtless word, yeah. a thoughtless phrase, yeah. Um, yeah. Know, picked up the wrong way, and you suddenly you're suddenly you're under siege again. It must be exhausting yeah. life in some ways. I was pretty good at gaffes. <laughs> I, 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 I did it quite often. I think there's probably two ways uh, it, uh, from yeah. a PR point of view. There's two ways you can go about gaffes. One yeah. is avoid them entirely through yeah. careful planning and yeah. adequate foresight. The other is to make so many gaffes that, <laughs> that, that, that people expect you don't, to you don't get hung for them. Yeah, I don't know. That, that's yeah, it's something you just have to live with. I mean, yeah. I, I think the people who are kind of managing me find me find me a complete nightmare because first of all, I didn't really let them mm. do that, and they would say, "Look, and now look what you've done," sort of thing. <laughs> <laughs> say like Katie Taylor or whatever else, and you've landed yourself absolutely in the manure, and us. Yeah. And what are you going to do about it? And that was that was awful. But once you get used to that sort of thing, yeah, it's all it it's it's okay. I mean, it, they weren't serious. You know, you no. weren't putting you weren't putting the states, you know, money at stake. No, you're you, making you, it out you, yourself. You, yeah, you're going to be the butt of some jokes, but you're going yeah. to live with that. No, that's all right. I mean, that that happened all the time. That yeah. happened every 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 every. What I mean that now. I, I've got a bit of freedom to do some other things. Which, yeah. No. So what what are you doing now? Because I I mean I I read that yeah. uh, you turned up with the Sinn Fein Ardesh. Yeah. Which I don't like stereotypes, but it's not the first place I would have put you. Yeah, I'm writing a book. I'm writing a book about Mary Lou Macdonald, mm -hmm. a biography. Uh, mainly because I wrote a book called In Bed with the Blue Shirts last year. Yeah, which, that's which, right. Uh, it was about the time in government, and that went very well. And uh, I kind of enjoy writing contemporary books about about people who are who are still current. Yeah. And uh, Mary Lou, who I know well, um, is obviously the most I thought the most interesting. I think the most interesting person yeah. in Irish politics at the moment. And if you're going to write a biography, I think other people have either been overdone or are not so interesting. So I thought it was a good. It, it was it was a good choice. Is Mary Lou interesting in herself, or does she just occupy an interesting position as you know, Sinn Fein, Taoiseach, in waiting? That's a good question. Um, I think she's both. Uh, she's certainly Taoiseach in waiting. I mean, mm. it would be now somewhat of a surprise if she wasn't Taoiseach because yeah. the opinion polls are so decisively in her favour. Um, and that makes her immediately someone who should be examined very, very closely uh, and who should be tested and, you know, someone of great interest to, to, to people. Uh, she's got a very interesting background. Mm. I mean, I mean, who would for one moment have ever thought that a woman who is as middle class as she is yes, yeah. uh, would end up as leader of Sinn Féin? I mean, that Sinn Féin are traditionally the... At, if you're going to put it at its most euphemistic, uh, are the uh, voice of the underdog, but at its at its probably realistic, they are the inheritors of the IRA. Yes, yeah. Um, and so a, a dark green. Yeah, exactly. They are. They are. They are the the, the, the legacy of the IRA anyway. Um, and there we have a, a patently middle class, privately educated person who is now their leader. Female. Female as well. and a woman as well. Yeah, you're right. And 
And so, who would have who would have ever thought that could possibly possibly happen? But it has happened. There, there's a, a skepticism towards Sinn Fein yeah. from lots of quarters, and, and but one of them is that you know is I mean I heard Michael McDool yeah. speak about this and write about this. Yeah. Is Marilyn McDonald the leader leader of Sinn Fein? Yeah. Um, or, or or is she the figurehead put forward? Well, Michael McDougall's probably a bit out of date. I mean, he was mm. he was kind of Minister of Justice a long, long time ago. Yeah. And so what he saw then was obviously the IRA was very active, I think, at that, at that time. And now he's he's saying, is she, but it's a fair question. Mm. And uh, the question, that's one of the reasons I was at the Ardesh, to which you just referred, was to try and see what her relationship was with the troops. Yeah. And with the the what was the army council, the people who were on the army council, and one of the interesting things there was to observe that mm-hmm. and to try and make up my own mind about whether she is her own person, or whether the people, whether the people, as they say, from the shadows in Northern Ireland, who were yeah. there by the way, yeah, but they were in the background, are um, dictating to her rather than vice versa. Yeah, because it, it, it's a fair question in the minds of many of the electorate. Um, yeah. You know, if you're my kid's age or, yeah. you know, if you're in your 20s, yeah. you see the world through the lens of current social problems like the housing problem yeah. uh, uh, and, and Sinn Féin, very, very attractive. Anybody in their 50s remembers the dark green yeah, years right. when Sinn Féin was a yeah. You know, a, a byword for IRA violence. Um, right. uh, so, th- this new Sinn Fein, are they an, an honest left wing party? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, c- centre left or, mm-hmm. or uh, mm-hmm. a, a, a genuine, or are they still yeah. the, the, the dark green force? Well, you better read the book. But the <laughs> uh, the 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 preliminary and the book won't be out till next year anyway mm. the preliminary indications I suppose are that there are changes going on mm. but that there is a fair old division between the north and the south mm. in Sinn Féin as well and you have what you have at the moment what you call the Lily Whites which is Mary Lou is one of them I mean Mary, right. Mary Lou obviously is uh, is not someone who was um, carrying arms mm. or shooting people. Uh, but there are a lot of people, mostly from the Northern Ireland, who were. Yeah. And what you have to decide is whether they've reconciled to Mary Lou, whether she's acceptable to them, uh, and whether they are still yearning after the days that where they actually set the pace with, with pulling mm. triggers. And that's something you know she's she's fighting that battle and uh, i don't think that's necessarily over at this stage you know but uh, i think the the indications would be that Sinn Féin are trying to portray themselves yeah. as something new they're looking to get into government but you have to decide and the book i think will will indicate the answer to this question but i haven't got it yet you have to decide whether the guys from northern ireland uh and it was men mostly, did you Yes, men, yeah. Uh, are still in charge or whether she is. Hmm. And is this an authorised biography or are you... I met her and talked to her about it. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh, it's not authorised. No, it's not. Uh, uh, and, you know, I like her and I, mm-hmm. I've known her for a long time, worked with her on, on various things. But uh, she wasn't very enthusiastic about introducing me to... Uh, to, to, to people uh, or opening the ways for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
and she came back to me after I told her about it after a week and said she, that uh, she wasn't going to stand in my way of anybody. In other words, say, don't right. do anything. But she didn't want to open any doors. And okay. that's the way it is. And, uh, you know, Sinn Féin is a very disciplined organisation. True. It's a, still very disciplined and it wants everybody to be on message. It was always my experience if you go into a door committee, I've done several times, to yeah. talk about anything. Yeah. insurance prices yeah. and drink drive limit uh, and there'll be a smattering of TDs there it's supposed to be 12 or 15 of yeah. them you know, you're lucky if, if half that number turn up yeah. um, some will come in and out yeah. uh, the Sinn Féin TDs are there on time yeah. have read the brief yeah. uh, understand it every single time every That's single right. time That's right. uh, so for, for sheer professionalism yeah. um, they were eclipsing the other parties absolutely and, and they'll take a unified view was a book like this and this is not a book which they will will want to see okay because it's not linked so will the to coordinated them. twitter storm say there's shane ross not bad for a blue shirt <laughs> or will it say you know this i don't know I, I you see i don't know i think i think they know i'd be fair at mm. least i hope they know i'd be fair mm. uh, and um and, and i have always had a good relationship with them mm. in in the sense that they supported the drink driving they supported yeah. the crusade we had about the judges mm -hmm. uh and that was a very good arrangement uh indeed so you know i have i've reason to 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 note that but i think you know i know i think they know that'll be fair on the other hand it is not their book it is yes. not going to say what they want uh necessarily some of it they'll like some of it they won't so uh it'll be interesting to see their reaction but the idea that they will not cooperate with the book unless it's their book that's the reality right. of it. Uh, <clears throat> so there are going to be stuff in there they don't want. Mm. Well, listen, I look forward. I look forward to reading it. When, yeah. when are we expecting that, Shane? It's, it is a work in progress. It is, yeah. It's um, it's probably going to be sometime. It'll be sometime next year, I think, sort of May June. It'll probably won't be out till after that, but it'll be yeah. finished around. Yeah, actually. very good. Yeah. Um, and uh, between between now and then, you, I hope you're just going to continue enjoy life in in. <laughs> the, the electric car pooling to and from any scary. Thank you very much indeed. I think yeah. things, are, things are all right. They're not as frantic as they were, thank God. Very good. Uh, and, and are you any inclination to, to go back and try again? There will be a general election if this government runs its term. When are we due it? Um, Two, three I, years? I suppose it'll be, it'll be in three years' time. Look, the answer is I've, I've no ambitions in that, in that sense at all. Uh, uh, that is almost word for word yeah. the, the the answer that was scripted in Yes Minister. It's that, that's the one that was given to Jim Hacker to say. Yeah. Uh, I have absolutely no ambitions in that direction. <laughs> no, I don't. Um, but I've kind of learnt in life because I was asked that question thirty years yeah. ago. Yeah. When I didn't get in the doll, mm. um, and I had no intention of going back to the doll that time. That was, and then twenty years later, yeah. I decided to go to the doll. So you don't actually just close the door completely. Yeah. But I don't anticipate it opening. Do you see what I mean? Yeah, I do. I uh, do. At all. And I'm not, I'm not making any kind of moves that would leave that as a possibility. But you'd never, you actually never quite know. You never quite know. No. Yeah. yeah. Um, very good. Well, listen, and thank you so much for, for um, mm. bringing me into your home in front of a lovely, a lovely warm fire of a, of a chilly autumn day with a nice you. pot of coffee in front of me. <laughs> um, yeah. I'm delighted to see you looking so well mm. and, and still so full of ideas and so fresh and, and undamaged from your tenure as a cabinet minister. I oh, know, it was a great experience. I was just so lucky to, to have had that experience. That's yeah. the thing, you know. Great. Um, thank you. Well, listen, thank you, thank Shane. You.
So thank you to Shane for meeting us and for a great conversation. I really enjoyed catching up with him. Thank you for listening and I hope you enjoyed it. This has been Driving Life with Conor Faulkner. If you did enjoy it or bits of it, then maybe you'll check in with us again next time. Until then, drive safely, live happily and come back and see us again. Sponsored by Expressway. With My Expressway, free travel pass holders can reserve their seats online at expressway.ie or at our ticket machines in stations.